Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. At Kentucky Humanities, uh, everyone knows that has listened to the podcast or followed Kentucky Humanities for the past 45 years. Uh, We're most proud of our uh, Chautauqua program and our Speakers Bureau program, our oldest and most uh, popular program uh, across the state of Kentucky with an array of um, historical uh, figures that uh, need to be lifted up and and learned about. Uh, And we have uh, uh, one of our new uh, Chautauqua actors uh, in the uh, the name of Rachel Rogers uh, here with us today, who uh, uh, portrays uh, Jean Ritchie from the mountains of uh, East Kentucky. Uh, but uh, a fascinating story that you tell, uh, Rachel. And, and we're going to talk about uh, Jean in just a moment, but I want to talk uh, to you a little bit about you and your background and uh, how you came to this character and and um, what it means to you, your, your acting career and uh, everything that you've been involved in in your life. Well, I tell people, Bill, um, sometimes it seems like there's not much separation between Jean and myself. We have some similarities. We're both mountain women. (laughs) My family came down out of Letcher County, Kentucky, and then I grew up in in Versailles, grew up listening to Jean's music. And so I love that song that Jean has, and it sort of embodies her as a person and a performer. She was country gentle and mountain born, Mm. mountain born and country gentle. So she had... uh, she had that little bit of a spitfire in her and was certainly a born performer, but uh, some gentleness too, so I hope I bring that to the show. What, um, what brought you to this moment uh, in Kentucky uh, at this time? You, um, in Versailles, you uh, raised there, did you go to school there, and then, and then that led you where? Raised there, born and raised there, and always been in Lexington. Coming to Lexington was coming to town for us. Mm. And then I, I went off and I got my BFA in theater and uh, a BA in English, and then went off and did my master's work in, in theater at Rutgers University, and all the way to London to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts and studied Shakespeare there, which is a big passion of mine. And so theater and English is my background, and I tell people I've, I've made about $50 over the past <laughs> 20 years, but I've had a good time making that. So, What was it like um, uh, coming back home uh, after being uh, Rutgers, of course, uh, in the Northeast and, and London? That's not London, Kentucky you're talking about. Uh, that's London across the sea. Yeah, um, and, and uh, did, did you what, what drew you back uh, to the Commonwealth? Oh, it was just heaven coming home to Kentucky. For me... I love London dearly, and I spent time in New York as a working actor, and it's a nice place to visit, but I didn't love living there. I got tired of renting a closet for $3,000 a month and not being able to have a dog, and I mm. missed my grandmother. Yeah. Uh, is, it, um, is it difficult in Kentucky now? You, you've got, hopefully, steady work with uh, uh, playing Gene Ritchie for Kentucky Humanities Chautauqua program. Uh, I know you'd like to do more with that, but is it uh, is it tough for actors uh, in Kentucky to find work? Well, I think that's one of the reasons that I came back, because I think if we all run off, then how can we build an arts community here that thrives? 
if everyone who has a passion for it and a talent for it and a drive for it goes off to New York City, then our arts communities here won't flourish in the way that they should. And so I think we have a responsibility, the actors and the musicians, the writers, the artists of Kentucky, to sure, go, go out, spread your wings, learn, fly around up north. But I think it's important to come home and, and do our art here because good art is not contained to any one specific state. And we've got a lot of real rich stories to tell, and that's our responsibility. And I think Gene recognized that as as a responsibility as an artist, a Kentucky artist. She, I think about her bravery, she came down out of Viper, went to the University of Kentucky, and then flew away up north to New York City. The bravery that that must have taken in, uh, in 1945, 1947, 1949, when she went up to the city, she started working at a settlement school, because they've got those up north too, and made a life up there for herself. Married a, uh, well, as my mother would say, married a Yankee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and lived in Long Island, in a, in a little community up in Long Island. But finally made her way back down to, uh, her husband George built her a cabin in Viper. And she uh, passed away in Berea. And really gave back to, to her community here, which I think is important. Tell me about, uh, and, and for those listening the process of becoming Gene Ritchie, uh, the process of becoming a Chautauqua actor, uh, and, and when you first were aware of uh, uh, acting, uh, maybe uh, your familiarity with some of the other uh, actors uh, that are in our, uh, we, we now have 26 active uh, um, performers. Um, we've had over 70 in the life of uh, of our Chautauqua program. So how does all that work? I, I, I know, I want you to tell our audience. Well, our, our theater and artist community here in Lexington and Kentucky is, is tight-knit, and we all know each other. And uh, my longtime partner, Kevin Hardesty, actually plays Daniel Boone and, uh, and Jefferson Davis. So I get a, a big kick out of telling people in my question and answer session, well, Gene Ritchie's married to Daniel Boone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, of course, I knew of, of Chautauqua through Kevin, and um, our good friend Bo List wrote those pieces for, for Kevin to perform. And, and, and Bo is a uh, is a professor, uh, is a dramatist, uh, is one that we have uh, counted on for a number of years to uh, help us with uh, uh, a scripting. A wonderful script, right? Working yes. with individual actors. Yes. And um, so I, I knew of the program through that. And of course, Trish Clark was my drama teacher when I was going to Dunbar some years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she runs Woodford Theater now down in Versailles, my home theater, where I first got my first taste of loving drama. So I had that connection. Uh, Trish played, um, oh, in Abraham the sh- Lincoln's wife. Yes. 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 Uh, well, not Jemima, but, um, and not Mar- Mary, Mary Todd. Todd. Mary Todd. Mary Todd. Todd. Yes. Sure. Yes. And did yeah. a wonderful portrayal of Mary Todd, which Deborah Martin plays now. Mm-hmm. And so just a bunch of my lifelong friends, people that knew me since I was a tiny little girl, have gravitated towards Chautauqua because I think Chautauqua is becoming stronger and stronger every season as we pull in people who are not only historians and researchers and the program's rich with wonderful folks like that. I got to work with Dr. Ron Penn from the University of Kentucky, such a wonderful musical historian. 
the wonderful breadth of, of talent that you all have in that capacity, but now bringing in people who are, are actors, longtime actors, to tell these stories. It's really bringing it to life in a really exciting new way. And bringing theater, which is my art form, down into communities that might not get a lot of theater. Um, so it's been exciting to expose people to, to this, this art form. Did you ever imagine that you'd be traveling as much and going to all of these uh, counties? And you were just uh, telling me a, a pretty interesting tale of, of maybe taking the, uh, the, the main roads uh, to your location, but then you like to take the back roads back home. I do. That's been the biggest treat of my life. I, um, well, I'll tell you one story. I went down to Cumberland County, beautiful county in western Kentucky, uh, very... Um, Rural. Well, rural, but also active in, in the huh? coal industry, which I didn't realize. I yeah. Even coming out of eastern Kentucky, I always thought, well, hills of eastern Kentucky, yes, uh -huh. I know that's coal, but I didn't realize our rich coal industry down in western Kentucky. So I went down there and had a great time at their uh, one of their little schools and libraries. Boy, shout out to our librarians who are just yeah keeping these interesting programs um, alive and popping for their communities. But I, I went to Cumberland County, stayed at a beautiful little bed and breakfast, and then took the old roads home, not knowing where I was going, just picked a road on the map that would take me as the crow flies back. And I come up on this sign, maybe 45 minutes into my drive, that says, birthplace of Bill Monroe. And I just thought, well, this is wonderful. I'm playing bluegrass Kentucky music, mm -hmm. and here's the home place of, of Bill Monroe. Mm -hmm. So I got to stop and, you know, see where he played his mandolin and mm. um, where he was born and first, you know, started to play this kind of music. So that's been such a treat doing that. Why is Jean Ritchie important, and why should people know more about her? Well, you know, I grew up listening to, to Jean Ritchie. I was lucky enough to have a mother who, who loved her music. Uh, Mom ran a little dollhouse and miniature shop in Versailles all my life. So as she was working, building these little wooden houses and furniture, she'd play Jean Ritchie and Joan Baez and Woody Guthrie, that kind of music. So I, I had a real connection to it. And, of course, we lost Jean in 2015. Well, I started talking to people about her music and, and her as a person, and I'd come across people who didn't know her, and that didn't seem right. I, I'm in my mid-30s, and people younger than me might never have heard of her. Or what was worse to me as a woman and as an artist in Kentucky, I'd say something about a song like Ellen in Railroad. Well, everybody knew it. But they thought it was Johnny Cash. Mm. That's not Johnny Cash. That's a Gene Ritchie song. And so it became really important to me to take this down into our communities and share this with younger people and spread her, her music to let people know that, boy, you can be from the mountains of Kentucky, you know, just a little girl from, from Letcher County or Perry County, and make a real difference in the world because she had something to say about our state and about strip mining and about our environment and about boy civil rights you know playing up at the newport folk festival mm. she had a lot of really potent things to say in the 1960s that are still important today 
Why did she think uh, at the time that she had to leave Kentucky uh, and and go to New York? Uh, was it was it all um, because of her talent and and what she or, or the message that she wanted? Uh, other people to hear? Why, why did she leave? Well, she took her degree at the University of Kentucky in social work, actually. And so that was something that drew her up to New York because she wanted to get into a bigger environment. And this is a direct quote from Jean. She said, I wanted to go up there and teach long enough to learn something so I could come home and start something. Mm. Programs better than that old welfare office back in Hazard that made folks feel helpless and ashamed. And that's no slight to our social workers in Hazard who work their fingers to the bone and are amazing. But she, she felt this need to, to help her community and felt like she needed to get out into a, a wider world to learn how to do it. How old was she uh, when she went to New York? Oh, a baby. She... Um, Let's see, she was born in 1922, went up there in 1947. Hmm. So I'm an English major and a theater yeah. major. I don't know well, the Well, in her 20s, right after graduate, yes. uh, graduating. Um, so she was she was working. She had a day job uh, do, doing some Teaching. social work of Teaching. some sort. Yes. But she began to write and, and began to perform. Um, well, she sort of fell into the, to the bringing the dulcimer to, to larger people. I don't think it really occurred to her to, to spread that. And she is responsible for the dulcimer revival of, of the 1960s, largely responsible. She used it as a teaching tool. Um, she found out that children responded to it. And so she used music as a way to connect to these kids that she met in these settlement schools. And it was a different experience for her. Um, there were many immigrant students up in the Lower East Side of New York that she was working with. And so just like her father had been, her grandfather had been, her uncle Jason, they were all in their own way musical historians and, you know, gathered, song hunters, gathering these old songs. And so I think she found it irresistible to share her mountain songs with them and see the effect it had on them and also become affected by the songs that they bring to her from the Jewish communities, from the Italian-American communities, um, from the African-American communities, songs that she hadn't been exposed to before. In fact, that inspired one of her really seminal works. She didn't um, publish it until the mid-70s, but it was uh, None But One, hmm. a song and an album. I'd love to play it for you. Mm -hmm. And it... Uh, it was named by Rolling Stone magazine the, the best folk music album of the year hmm. in 1977 and really catapulted her into more larger fame. She became, uh, I guess, more popular uh, or, or known more to a wider audience. Known to a wider audience yeah. because Lord knows Miss Jean never changed herself yeah. for, for anybody. Yeah. But this song that I'd love to play yeah. for you, None But One, was inspired by her time teaching up at the at the settlement school there. And I think it's a message that, that is real important yeah. now. Well, we are surrounded uh, in our <laughs> podcast uh, uh, studio uh, at Kentucky Humanities uh, on Maxwell Street uh, with, with a, at least a couple of dulcimers that you yes, brought in. Yes, I brought three of my babies today. And uh, we're going to ask uh, Rachel to, uh, to play the song that she just uh, talked about. And remind me, Bill, I want to talk about these dulcimers after I finish playing because um, they're a neat thing. 
Thank you so much. And and that was uh, hers. Uh, she wrote it. She wrote um, it, yes. And uh, was able to perform it, uh, I'm sure, many times. Uh, it became, did you say it became popular years after she wrote it? And, and no, um, um, currently to her, her publishing it. Let's I say see. it was inspired mm-hmm. in the in the late forties when she was working in the settlement schools. Yeah. But she published it in yeah. in in the seventies. Did she learn to play the dulcimer as a as a small child as or did a she... baby? Oh, okay. In fact, there's great stories of, that I just love so dearly. And in my in my program, I, I I'm theatrical in in my portrayal of Jean. I I don't pick one time. I play her as a five year old. I play her as a fifty year old. We, we go all around mm. in time because that's the magic of theater. You don't have to be in one time and place. Mm. You can go any place you want to go. So, uh, no, uh, Jean, one of uh, 14 children, um, she stole her way to the dulcimer when she was about five or six years old. Her father, like, like many fathers in the 20s uh, up in the hills, was a strict man. Mm. And... Um, forbade her from touching them they were mm. precious and expensive mm-hmm. and it was hanging on the wall in the, in the front room where they kept the fine things and she snuck in there at five years old and took it down off the wall and taught herself go tell aunt Rody. Mm, yeah and and um which you also play in your performance I sing it. I yeah. sing a little snatch mm-hmm. of it, yeah. But no, she never got a whooping for, for sneaking her <laughs> way to the dulcimer because yeah. she was good at it. But I tell people, the dulcimer, which is our state instrument, is, oh, something I hope more people take up because it's so accessible. It's uh, as easy or as hard as you want to play it. If you can hum your favorite tune, I could get you playing Go Tell Aunt Rhody today. <laughs> because the dulcimer does such a neat thing for us. It, it uh, is a three or four stringed instrument usually, minor four for a bigger sound, but um, it's got a melody string, and so you pluck along your melody, and then the other strings harmonize along with you for free. So it's the sweetest instrument to grab and, and have just at home, um, around the fireplace, on the front porch, and it does what it did for Jean's family 100 years ago, it, it brings generations together. And, Bill, that's one of the neatest things that's happened in these shows. I see families come in to oh, these, our state parks or our libraries, um, grandmoms, um, dads, kids, three generations. And then on the way out, they're talking about 
well, what were our family songs? Mm. You know, what's something we sang? Mm -hmm. What did your grandmother Mm -hmm. sing? And they start talking about it and they start singing them. And and that happened when I was, you know, working up this this show. I'd talk to my grandmother about what we sang and and getting to share those. It's a great connective thing between the generations. And then, you know, I sing many of these old traditional songs in the show. Go Talent Roadie. Uh, Shade Grove, mm. which is a great old old traditional, um, Fair Ellender, songs like that, that people have been singing for hundreds of years. But every family, every little community that I go down into, they'll fuss at you because they've got their way of singing it, their lyrics. And so a couple of times I've been able to incorporate their lyrics in, into the show. Um, for Shady Grove, they said, no, no, it's uh, Shady Grove, my darling, I'm coming back to Harlan. Mm. And so that's how I sing it now. Yeah. I feel oh, like, really? Yeah, because I think that's how, how Gene did music and how folk music has, has always been. It, it's real fluid. So did um, did she write Shady Grove? No, That was no. written, but that's a long time. Shady yeah. Grove's right. A, and, and in fact, that that's part of what Jean did as a, as a song hunter like her father and her uncle and and um, mm-hmm. and as an educated histor- historian she was awarded the Fulbright scholarship in uh, the late 40s and took off with her husband for Scotland, England and Ireland to trace the roots of these songs like Shady Grove, mm-hmm. Fair Ellender, Oh Love yeah. is Teasing that we've been singing in the mountains but really came Scottish. down with us yeah, mm-hmm. yeah across the ocean uh-huh. when when we all immigrated. Yeah. <laughs> and haven't changed very yeah. much in in hundreds of years. How wonderful. Oh, and and she probably brought back uh, a a lot of songs maybe that that hadn't been uh, that had migrated to, to. Well, she'd hear the same songs they'd been singing, uh-huh. you know, in the mountains, but just slightly different. It was like meeting yeah. family members, like mm-hmm. ancestors, you know, mm-hmm. relatives, and so it was real touching to her, I think. And of course, she was part of of, of preserving those songs when um, they recorded all of those old songs that she would sing and, and preserve them at the Library of Congress. So how did that all occur? Was that later in life? No, no. Oh. That was when she first went up there and, oh. and, and started singing. And um, uh, somebody said, I, I want to record uh-huh. these songs. And so, you know, I, I tell people, we've got to honor Miss Jean because but for, but for Miss Jean, a lot yeah. of this might be lost to yeah. us now. So tell me a little bit about um, when she came back to Kentucky and... And, and and what her life was uh, like, um, how busy she was. Was she still writing and singing and performing? And was she traveling? A performer till the end. Mm-hmm. And it was real important to me to um, to portray that part of Jean and, and not to, like some other Chautauqua programs, they usually pick a spot. They, they pick a, a, a spot to imagine, well, here we all are at Boone Tavern or... You know, we're at a specific location. It was important to me to have this show be, well, here I am at Scott County Library. Here I mm. am yeah. um, up in Perry County because that's what she did. She mm-hmm. traveled around and sang. And so I've been so fortunate at a bunch of my shows, I'll run into somebody who, who's seen her, you know, who saw mm. her perform at EKU, at, at Berea College. Um, she sang uh, on Wood Songs. Um, that Michael Jonathan has mm-hmm. here in Lexington. Mm-hmm. So she was very prolific. 
Do you, was there any hesitation at all on your part uh, since she only passed away in 2015 that you would uh, uh, revive and, and recreate her uh, so soon after her death? Yes, it was terrifying. Because <laughs> I, uh, I tell Kevin, well, you luck out. Nobody really knows what Daniel Boone sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, he does a spectacular uh-huh. job. But Jean, there was this real onus to be um, true to her in, in all ways because... My goodness, her her two boys, Peter and John, are about my mother's age, and they're still in the music industry and, you know, play around here in Kentucky, and they still have the Ritchie family reunion up in Hmm. in Viper, Kentucky. And and I run into folks at, at my shows who are, oh, Jean was my my one of my cousins, or Edna taught me dulcimer when I was a little girl. So so people knew her and there's a responsibility to be true to her in a theatrical way, but I tell people, wouldn't it scare you? I mean, what would you think if somebody was going to play your grandmother? Mm -hmm. You'd have an opinion about Mm -hmm. it. So I I do try to honor that. Yeah. And you wanted to say a little bit more about the dulcimer (laughs) other than just uh, about playing them. And and you you have two that uh, you... Uh, use I guess uh, in, in your in your show. What what are the differences? I've got three actually that mm. that I use for the show, um, and they're addictive. So watch out if uh-huh. you get into them. Uh-huh. Although you can pick a one up to learn on for about one hundred and fifty dollars. But I, I do travel with two beautiful Warren May instruments, handmade. Now, now who's Warren May? Warren May is a is a famous uh, uh, dulcimer maker from Berea, Kentucky. Still oh. working created this lovely uh-huh. uh, dulcimer here, 75-year-old reclaimed cherry wood. Oh, my goodness. Hummingbird sound holes. Oh, I, yeah. I travel with another one by Warren that's walnut, uh-huh. a bigger instrument that I play Black Waters on. And um, they all just have yeah. just the m- most beautiful different sounds, as, as you'll hear. Yeah. So they really do have, have unique sounds, mm-hmm. and it's a real pleasure. But no, I travel with three because I, I don't want to have to slow down the show long enough to retune. Well, before you uh, before you put that one down, oh, um, yes. why don't you uh, uh, give us another rendition of, of one of your favorites um, and, um, and play something and tell us a little bit about well, the song. Well, I'd be tickled to death to sing uh, Black Water song. Well, uh, th- th- sing a l- I was going to ask that. Uh, yeah. Rachel, as she puts one dulcimer down that I don't <laughs> dare get near, uh, for I'm afraid gonna, I'm gonna, she's going to take her head uh, pull off my headset for a second, and, but and I'm still step here. out of mic, but I'm going to describe that you're going over for the larger case that, uh, that yes. you brought in and... This is the one that, uh, do you only play this when you're when you're singing Blackwaters? I do only use it for Blackwaters. Yeah. It's, it's walnut, and it's got a rich, almost guitar-like sound. And it was actually given to me by one of our, our local um, theater artists, Pat O'Neill. Well, t- tell us real quickly uh, a little bit of the background of Blackwaters and, and what it uh, still symbolizes and what it became at the time that Gene was alive. Blackwaters... Um, you know, it's funny, when, when Jean first started writing songs, and of course 1960s was um, a time of protest and a time when people started learning you could use music to talk about things that were happening now rather than, than 100 years ago. You could use it to say 
stuff about war and workers' rights and all things like that. And she worked with Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie. And, you know, Woody sang with a slogan on his guitar that said, this machine kills fascists. Mm -hmm. So she worked with, with a bunch of those folks. Hmm. But... It was real important to her not to be known as a protest singer. She didn't want to upset her mother. <laughs> hmm. and, um, so she wasn't really known as an activist? Well, she was, yeah. but she didn't want to be. <laughs> ah. She had a, a, a gentle, very Kentucky uh -huh. way of protesting things. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started writing this, this piece, because I was gifted enough to, or not gifted, I'm not gifted, I was um, pleasantly... You're, rewarded with yes. the right to to write the script mm -hmm. as well as act it but um folks ask me will it be hard for you to go up into coal communities and mm -hmm. and sing about and uh, sing a song like black yeah. waters which mm -hmm. is talking about which is talking the about the runoff from from coal mining. companies sure yeah. from stripping yeah yeah. And I said no, because Jean was not anti-coal. She was pro-Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, her family, her, she had two brothers in the mines. She was practical and knew you could make a good living in the coal industry. But she was very strong about being a good steward of our land. Because when she came back, when George built her a cabin in Viper, and she came back with her two little boys to show them the ridges and the branch water and, and our mountains... And they didn't look the same. That takes your breath away. It hurts mm -hmm. so bad. Still for folks around here today. Now, the only frailty about, about this dulcimer is she has traditional wooden pegs. So sometimes mm. in this cold weather, she pops right mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So, Bill, if you talk for a second, I'll No, tune. that's fine. You're, we're, we're tuning up the uh, the larger of the, of the two. Uh, Rachel, in her performance, uses three dulcimers, she was telling us earlier. Uh, she's going to give us uh, uh, a sample of Blackwaters, which uh, th there are a lot of well-known uh, Gene Ritchie songs, but this probably, um, wouldn't you say, Rachel, that this is maybe the one that, that uh, people identify or... It's what I would say is most yeah, Gene. Uh, yeah, with Gene. Call there you that go. close enough that, for that folk sounds music. good to me. <laughs> and I'll give you a couple of verses because, like uh, the music that Gene grew up with, um, they are uh, they're ballads. They're like Homer. They're like the Odyssey. So they're they're droning and they they tell a a song through melody that repeats, so that we can all enjoy it. Well, I come from the mountains. Kentucky's my home. Where the wild deer and the black bear so lately did roam By cool rushing waterfalls, wildflowers dream And through every green valley there runs a clear stream And then I'll talk a little bit about what I was just saying, how hard it was to come home and, and see the change. And, you know, I've had people come up to me after the shows and take my hand crying because, mm. you know, it's hard to come home and, and see that change. Scenes of destruction on every hand. Black waters, black waters come down through my land. 
since I'm an actor, I can't help but give you this last verse because I think it really embodies this fighting spirit of our mountains. Well, I don't have much money, not much of a home. Yes, I own my own land, but my land's not my own. But if I had ten million somewhere thereabouts, yes, I'd buy Perry County and I'd drive them all out. That's Rachel Rogers, who portrays Jean Ritchie for Kentucky Humanities Chautauqua Program. She's available for uh, appearances all over um, the state of Kentucky in schools and churches and civic clubs and uh, the, all the information uh, for uh, booking our Chautauqua performances uh, can be found on our website at kyhumanities.org. And uh, Rachel, once again, thanks so much for being here and sharing uh, your story and Jean's story. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, you guys. See you out on the road. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Mm -hmm.